Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. We are so glad you joined us today again as we talk about leadership. With me is my friend Steve Prokopchak, friend for many, many years. We're going to talk about those little things that we can learn about leadership that make a massive difference down the road. So Steve, it's great to have you here. We're honored to have you here. I mean, you're an accomplished author. You've written some whole slew of books. You know, two of my favorites are Staying Together, Call Together. Uh, I Personally, we've worked together for many, many, many years yeah. in leadership and all over the world together. And I've watched you again and again help leaders get healthy, stay healthy. You've helped me in the area of health and leadership. And maybe we can talk about some of those stories here today. <laughs> They're pretty funny. But anyway, let's just start in the beginning. Talk to us about how did you come to the new Christ? You know, how that all happened, and then we'll just take it from there, and we'll talk then about healthy leadership. It's good for all of us to really know what we've really been through personally to help us understand where we've come from yeah. as far as leadership. Sure. Go for it. Hey, well, thanks, Larry, for having me today. Sure. I just really appreciate being here. I, I, um, I didn't become a Christian until I was 17 years old, so I had not heard of the gospel. I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Wow. I, I was all around, lived all around different farms and, you know, a religious community, but yeah. I never heard about the love of Jesus. I did go to a, a kind of a nominal church for a few times, okay. not, not a lot, um, but I can remember them reading, uh, they would have a selection from the Old Testament and the New Testament yeah. and reading the word every week, and then they would say, after they read that verse, they'd say, here endeth the word of God for the day. And I can remember sitting there thinking, no, here endeth the word of God for the week. <laughs> and so, so I didn't really comprehend the word of God. I didn't really sure. comprehend it. But I always believed in God. I always felt like there was a living God. And wow. I don't know why. Uh, through the witness of some uh, some friends. Yeah. Uh, that Is that in school? Uh, no, actually, I spent a couple of summers at the beach. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and I met this girl. And I really wanted, uh, you know, her to like me. And yeah. she really wanted me to like Jesus. Uh -huh. And uh, so that first summer, I kind of won. We got back together the next summer, and she kind of won. She, she was into missionary dating? Is that what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But but she she loved the Lord. Sure. And she shared Christ with me, and then she invited me to her church. Yeah. And, and it just kind of started me on this track of, you know, there really is a God, and, and there really is uh, God's Son. And I came to the day, it was in December 1971, Larry, that I just got down on my knees beside my bed yeah. and said, wow. I don't know if this is real, but I need something. Yeah. And I asked Jesus into my heart. My family, uh, were they were not excited about that. I did share <laughs> with them. They weren't excited about that because they just didn't sure, really understand it. And uh, then I went into, uh, it was the Vietnam era, and I went, yeah. went into the military. And um, I decided that in the military, I would share Christ with any person I could. Wow. And uh, I did that. I, I, I remained faithful to the Lord. I, I read through the Word of God in that time. 
really wanted to devour uh, God's Word and get to know <clears throat> what it said to me, really wanted to understand my Heavenly Father. So, um, yeah, I shared Christ with every roommate that I had in the military asked Jesus into their life, wow, and I invited amazing. them to my church. We yeah. had a very powerful uh, local church uh, uh, and just a, a great time of ministry there, and I just really, really grew in those four years that Uncle Sam employed me. Wow, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you shared that because these are the foundations in our lives as leaders. Yeah. It's just knowing Jesus, sharing our faith, and of course God was doing that in your life long before you're involved in any other kind of leadership. Now, I remember when I first met you, I was a pastor, and when you had come to our church, but I learned soon after you came that you'd been involved in leadership, you and your wife Mary, involved in leadership by this youth ministry in northern Pennsylvania. Tell us about that. How did that happen? Yeah, so um, I had gotten out of the military. Mary and I were living. We were married. Uh, right. Mary's an RN. She moved down there, uh, of course, as we got married. And uh, we were working our jobs there. And uh, we had friends that were in Pennsylvania said, hey, we want to start a, a children's home. And, and we're like, Wow, okay. So we had visited them, and when, then we visited this very, very rural county in northern Pennsylvania, and we went by this facility, and it had a for sale sign out front. That place was 27 rooms, 65 acres, and we're like, wow. man, God needs to use this property. Little did we know that we would be the ones that would purchase it okay. and start this um, uh, care home for adjudicated delinquent teenage boys. So that was like eight years of my life. Wow. And it was eight years of missionary living because we lived by faith there. We didn't have any income. I remember one year our our total income for the year was six hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, you you know, you got to buy put gas in your right, car. You, right. you, but anyways, we really learned to trust God and live by faith. It was really eight years of lessons and leadership. And it was it was challenging. It was difficult. But the challenge wasn't as much the work right. as it was learning how to govern and work with and lead staff. And okay, um, yeah, that that was well, really be the specific if you can. As you look back in those eight years, of course, you were young. You're in your twenties, I'm assuming. I was. Okay. Now, what are some lessons you learned in leadership back then? that made a difference later on in your life. Yeah, uh, probably number one is maintain a spirit of humility. Yeah. Uh, because if you think you're right, uh, then, and everybody else is wrong, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and I True. think number two is mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes, yeah. and it's really good That's to so quickly good. apologize when you do make those mistakes. So Take uh, the step of humility, uh, the step of honor, and say, man, I was wrong. You know, I, I messed up, and, but, and, but I'm growing through my mistakes. Yes. Uh, in leadership, so just really maintaining humility, That's being good. willing to admit your mistakes. Um, I think number three is just realizing: look, God's called me to this, and yeah. if you know that God's called That's you, right. you have the ability to do what God is asking you to do. Not within yourself. As soon as you think that you have it within yourself, then you fall to something we call pride. Yeah, uh, not good. <laughs> not and good in all, your twenties, yeah. it's really easy to fall into pride. Not. It's not saying like now in my 60s I don't, right. but it's it's much easier than sure. because you think you know, and but he knows, and I and just those life lens, lessons, you know, like it was, this was education like at its best. It was right. the best theological education. It was the best leadership school I had taken because you had to learn on a daily basis right. to live and 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 serve others. So number four, I would say, keep a heart of service. Yeah. Leaders serve. Boy, that is excellent. I mean, those are things obviously that apply to every area of life and apply to every age. Yeah. No matter how long we're in leadership, those things still apply. Now, you came back 
uh, from this northern Pennsylvania ministry to delinquent youth, and you came back and just looking for a change. And I remember you being part of our church, and I saw you had a real counseling gift on you. You remember those days, right? Yeah. So uh, talk to us about you know your neck, your transition in life and what you learned during that transition. What else were you involved in? You're involved in some other. Yeah, so we, yourself, right? yeah, so for some years we ran that ministry by ourselves, my wife and I, and then and the Lord finally called us beyond that. And we moved to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania area, and we started attending uh, Dove International right. Church and, right. and just fell in love with it, loved the people, loved everything that we were walking through there. But then also I was in, uh, I went, had to go back into graduate school and, and we had our third child and we're living in a small two bedroom apartment trying to afford all of that. Um, and then also became small group leaders uh, for Dove. And at the same time, uh, God was providing for us for the first time in our married life yeah. after 12 years to be able to build a home. And I was personally uh, with another guy constructing that myself. So we had a lot going on in yeah. our lives. And I was working as a social worker, now not working directly in my home with adjudicated delinquents, right. but as a social worker with those uh, kids in the court system and all of that. And I, I did that for several years. You approached me, and I remember this, You, we, <laughs> I had like three or four dinners with you. You were approaching me saying, would you come? We need help. Our church is growing and we need counseling. And uh, I'll tell you why. <laughs> Here's why. I was doing all this counseling. I'm not a counselor. Right. And number two, we started a Bible school on the side, and yes. we had a counseling course, and I was teaching and you were counseling. teaching it. That was really yeah. scary, yeah. because I was not a yeah. counselor at all, doing this stuff, and I saw you, I thought, this is gold. We need you on our team. But you were tough to get, I remember that. Yeah, so I, I remember talking to Mary, my wife, saying, Maybe I could get five dinners out of them. I just keep saying no, you know. And I get this wonderful time with Larry Kreider. It's amazing. It's great. But you were asking, saying, Steve, could you could you come and could you help us? And I said, No, I can't. I'm in the midst of building a home. I'm leading a small group. I'm going to graduate school, but I, I do finish this that spring. I was going to finish that spring, graduate that spring. We had a third child. I said, Man, it's a terrible time to change jobs. And then what happened was my supervisor was moving to start a new child welfare agency. I would be in charge of this office. I didn't want to do that because right. that's a lot of administration. I wanted to work with people. So I came to you and said I would volunteer one night a week. And so I did. I came in yeah. Friday nights, and right. my office started to fill up <laughs> every Friday night. And I remember one night driving home from that, like, okay, so what's the difference counseling in this church system versus being this secular um, caseworker right. with all these kids and foster parents, etc. And the difference was Friday nights, people came to my office and they wanted to change. Uh -huh. And I had worked for so many years with people that just were part of the system and didn't necessarily really want to make any kind of heart change. Well, no. I found again and again, and I'm sure you concur, that if people don't want to change, you're going to take people so far. Right. And, and uh, when people, in their hearts, they have to want to change. And we can help them, and we can pray for them, we can give them good counsel. Yeah. But unless we are willing to change, yeah. we're not going to change. Yeah, I, I think that difference of coming, saying, help us, we have this issue in our marriage, or I have yes. this issue in my life, is, is, is really a wonderful starting point to be able to recognize this is something that I want to change in my life. And, and then I learned the difference between those persons who come in that position yes. and the persons who come and say, yeah, I know the Word of God says that, but yeah. 
And I'm like, there's no buts in this. You know, that is what the Word of God says. Right. And that, yeah, the Word of God says that, but then they start writing their word, and, and they say, well, this is perhaps how God, uh, you know, why would God uh, want to uh, change this because this feels so right or feels so good, even though it's not in line with, with God's Word. So, yeah, you're right. It, it is that position of... Um, I, I, I want help. I want input into my life. And I, and I recognize that I couldn't help anyone within myself, like, like you know, but Jesus, the Counselor, capital C, yes. Holy Spirit, resides yes. within us. Right. And he gives us that ability beyond our ability. Yes, should we study? Yes, should we read books? Yes, should we learn how to do this? Yes, should we take courses? Yes, yes to all those things. But at the end of the day, if you're not relying on Holy Spirit right. uh, for his answers, for his insights, and if you're not praying, if you're not having the Word of God out with you and your counselees, then I don't really see a lot of direction and, and, and purpose in it. But I learned so much in those years from people because they taught me yes. as well. It wasn't right. just one one way. Right, right. You know, the other reason I must admit that I really wanted you on our team was because we were a young church. And we were growing at 300 people a year, up to 1,000, and soon 2,000, and it was just crazy. Good crazy, but it was a, a wild time in God. Right. And I remember I was a senior pastor. People looked to me to do the premarital counseling, I didn't know how to do that. So I remember one day, I found this article in a Charisma magazine that said, 50 questions to ask you want to get married. So that became the premarital counseling. Oh, okay. I kind of passed that out. And then I knew you had a heart to help young couples. You did. Right, so talk to us about how that how that happened. We want to talk a little bit later about leadership. But I want to talk to us a bit about how you got into pre-postmodal counseling. Obviously, as a staff counselor, you started it. Tell me about what that looked like and what you learned in that process. Right. <clears throat> well, it was a few months later that I finally, we made the decision that we would come on staff with Dub and, and serve in, in the counseling ministry. And we recognized that we weren't really preparing couples very well. And I had asked you, what are you using? We looked at it. And then, then we did this research. We, I went out and purchased. I bought everything I could find yes. on premarital counseling. Yeah. And uh, be honest with you, Larry, the, the Catholics had some of the best stuff that really? there was. Their pre-Cana stuff, their, yeah. their, their premarital retreats. Yeah, they were um, good. I remember. They did yeah. a good job. Yeah. There were a few uh, Christian authors that were writing mm -hmm. at the time. But we weren't really super impressed with a lot of it. So what we did was we put together a questionnaire and we went to those couples that had been married within our system yeah. and we asked them a lot of questions and saying, basically saying, what would you have liked in That's your premarital? Great. What would have been the need? And these were the best people to ask because they sure. went through it, they got married, now uh, it's postmarital. And, uh, and when we asked the question about, you mentioned postmarital, that didn't exist at all. Right. We couldn't find right. anything in the literature right. on postmarital. And yet, as Christians, we believe marriage is a lifetime. We spend a few sessions with them, yeah. mostly building a ceremony, and 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 then say, well, live happily ever after and never meet with this couple again. Pastors are busy, man. They, yeah. they don't have time to necessarily keep having couples yeah. come back. And so on our heart, because we were a, a church that really believed in equipping the saints to do the work of ministry, that is something you taught heavily. That is something um, that we incorporated yeah. in yeah. this whole thing. We really wanted to take it away from the busy pastors right. and just them sitting in their, their offices and hand it to couples that were out there in the congregation who had good marriages, yes, not perfect yes. marriages, but who wanted to sit yes. down with another couple and walk them through this process. Fantastic. We just had to build the process. Yeah. And so that's where the book 
cull together. Yeah, uh, it's really one, it's one of the best tools I mean, I've ever seen. I'm a bit biased because I know you and believe in you so much. But it's fantastic. I remember the Sunday I stood up in front of a whole congregation and all these people, and I said, I will not be doing marriages anymore unless it's a family member or somebody, because we have so many people who are trained yes. who do a better job than we can ever do, and they're trained to do it, and it's been fantastic. And of course, now, people all over the world are using these materials. I mean, it's on our website. All your training is free. It's on our website. It's amazing. So uh, anything else that you'd want to say to any leader who is struggling through counseling, premarital counseling, how to do it, anything else you'd want to say to them? Yeah, uh, you know, I would. I. For my wife and I, our premarital counseling was with a minister in his just stale office. And he asked us a couple of questions. And then I, Mary says to me, he asked if she could submit to me. That was his one question. <laughs> she remembers that, right? <laughs> she remembers that. And uh, of course she said yes. And, um, but I don't even remember that. We had one session. And, wow. And so now we've built six premarital okay. sessions. And, and, and I would so, say, yeah. you know, it, it's upwards to 200 hours to prepare for a ceremony. You, know, you think about that cameras, I mean, the, the videography, the, the, the pictures, the flowers, the, you know, everything, the food. All the invitations, all these things that have to be done, and they don't—they literally do not do anything for the life of that couple. It's a day. It's a wonderful day. Uh, it's a perfect day for most couples, but that doesn't build the foundation of the relationship. And so we just really, really, really want to get a hold of pastors and say. Um, even if you don't use this tool, find the tools that work for you. Uh, give this ministry away. Yes. Let it be couple to couple rather than just a single pastor with a couple. Right. So you get the male and the female so perspective. So and and they develop a relationship because they're asking them about their money, their histories, their college debt. They're asking about their sexual lives. Yes. Sexual lives are asking about their families of history. Yes. They're learning all of this stuff. And they're open and they're vulnerable and they're praying with them, praying through things with them and saying, yes, are you called together? Should you be married? Should we wait? What should we do? And then they meet with them again in, in post-marital. We've met with couples. Now, our program calls for three months and nine months, but we've met with couples for years. In fact, we just had a session Monday night for four hours with a couple that's now married two years, wow. just walking them through some of the grief that they're experiencing right now because we had a relationship that developed exactly. and we had the time to be able to come back to yeah. them versus a, a very, very busy pastor. Right. And the key is one person can't do all that. Right. When you spread that out among many people, with so many Christian couples have good, solid marriages and they love doing this kind of thing. And this, you know, call together is a tool that helps them work through that right. process. Does, so thank yeah. you. So you learned all that. You, you, you helped us in the body of Christ and, you know, pre post marital counseling, all that. But then God kept giving you a heart for leadership and for helping leaders to healthy and probably some of it was because I remember the time I came to you when I was hurting I wanted to quit I you know you know we saw all this growth and all this blessing on the outside you know a couple thousand people and starting churches yeah. in different parts of the world all that stuff and I was hurting inside I wanted to quit you remember that time I do yeah and do you remember what you told me to do what do you remember? You <laughs> well, you were kind. You, you always are. You prayed for me. I'll never forget. I tell this story all over the world. And then, then you, uh, you gave me. And those, that was the day of cassette tapes. Oh, remember that? Starting to come back. Uh huh. So you gave me this cassette tape, and you said this tape will really help you. Yes. Remember that? I do. And so a couple. Of, I remember a couple of weeks later, I'm driving down the road, and I take this cassette tape, put it in my car, and I listen to this guy talking about people who have a messiah complex. So I'm thinking. That's me. 
you know, I, I, I think I, I've got to be the Messiah. I've got to fix people. I can't do that. And I listened more. I thought, man, this is so familiar. Mm. Then I realized you gave me me. You gave me my tape. It was your teacher. When I was training future right. leaders. Remember that? And you Sorry thought that was so that, funny. I thought it was God, you know. I was trying to obey the Lord. And I thought it was so funny, yeah, too. Yeah. And you were one of the first people who ever taught me about the need to find your significance, uh, you know, and, and, and who you are in Christ more than what you do. And I remember, I, I tell people all over the world, what I learned through that hard time in my life is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me right. so. You just know you're loved by God, that's all that matters, not whether you write a book or you're a pastor or whatever kind of church or whatever. Yeah. It's just we're loved by Jesus, we get our, our security, our significance from that, Correct. and then we can be the healthy leaders God's called us to be. Correct. So talk to us about what you've learned about helping leaders stay healthy. How can you help many leaders, potential leaders, find a place of health in their lives? I remember some things that you told me to do, but go ahead, share your heart. What did you learn? Yeah, I love leadership. I love leaders. I love sharing with, with leaders. Uh, I love the practicality of that because leaders need input into their lives. You know, everyone leading, everyone that's holding others accountable needs to be held accountable themselves. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. But, right. but in our system where we build by relationship, we really want to provide that oversight and exactly. that help and that care yes. for leaders because we know that when leaders are healthy, that's those exactly whom they right. lead, they bring health to them. Unhealthy leaders will bring unhealthy leadership. Right. So leadership right. is influence, and right. we're wanting them to influence in a good way. And I think, I think, you know, we can we can find our identity in in what we're doing and in our work. But that's not uh, the Jesus's way for right. us. His exactly. His way is to find our significance, our security, and our identity first and foremost in Him, and that will really help to keep our perspective straight. I think also leaders, we can work a lot of hours, and that doesn't mean we're going to burn out, that doesn't mean right. that we're workaholics. Right. It really actually means we really often really enjoy what we do. Right. And so I don't know that it's the amount of hours that we work, it's, mm -hmm. it, is, it is what are we trying to derive from those hours. Right. And, and if we think that because we work a lot of hours, we're very, very important, then we're probably on the road. Uh, to burn yes. out, and that's something that when you came, you were yeah. you were on. I was on the road. I was, and I was. and you get into this complex where I have to fix these people or I have mm -hmm. to provide the answer, mm -hmm. and and you really don't. But he, here's the crazy thing: a lot of churches do not have any type of. Uh, even job description for their primary leaders. Right. Uh, a lot of churches don't have uh, uh, um, uh, names and numbers for counselors to call for their leaders. A lot of them do not have anything called a sabbatical, which we've instituted right. here for their leaders. And so often leaders are leaving their position because of burnout, yeah. uh, not just in the church, but also uh, in, the, in the secular realm. So it goes back to what we said earlier as well, maintaining that spirit of humility, knowing that you can can't fix anyone, right. uh, but but it's Christ in you who does those things. Maintaining healthy relationships um, with your spouse, with your children, your family, uh, with those whom you lead. But more than anything, Larry, is maintaining that healthy relationship with Jesus yeah, on a daily right. basis. So and it's true. so easy to spend every day preparing oh, for a message and, 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 and stop feeding yourself. Stop praying for yourself. Stop doing the things that you know you need to do in that quiet time with God. And right. I, my wife tells me over and over, she says, I, I derive security, she derives security from the fact that she sees her husband yeah. reading God's Word and praying every morning yeah. and praying with her. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, I think, um, uh, one of the number one things 
keeping yes. Jesus in the forefront, yeah. keeping your relationship with him because um, his, his uh, yoke is easy, his burden is light. Mm-hmm. And since Genesis 3, we've been, we've been it, it, you know, life can be burdensome. Right. And we can carry so much stress. Yeah. But when it gets to the point where we look like we have a wheelbarrow on our back, right. it's getting too heavy and we've got to learn to cast this over yeah. to Jesus. And, and that's what we've got to do each and every morning. Yeah. Every congregant that we're working with, every mm-hmm. issue that we're walking with through life, every staff yes. problem, every conflict, yes. Yes. we have got to learn to give it uh, to him and then derive his answers uh, for that uh, situation. Okay, I hear a clear leadership principle there. Obviously, it's our relationship with Jesus every day, casting every care upon him. That's a clear leadership principle, extremely important. What are some other leadership principles that keep us healthy? I think another one, you know, um, Richard Exley wrote a book years ago, and, and I actually purchased it for all of our staff members, if you remember that. I do. In fact, just yesterday, I couldn't find an old copy. That book is so good. I went to Amazon just yesterday and bought that book again. Well, it's a great I book. have two, by do the way. You? I should have asked you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I just had another leader uh, read it. And only because, yeah, yeah it's an older book. Yeah. But but Richard talks about the, the balance of leadership, and yeah. he talks about the balance of four things. He talks about the balance of work, rest, play, and worship. Yeah and keeping those things in yes. balance. And I think the one that we fail the most at is play. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need to exercise, we need to eat correctly and all of this. We all know that. Yeah. And you and I cannot make a leader do that. Right. that. They have to be motivated to do it themselves. They love to work. I mean, work is good. Six days you shall labor. Yeah, and, right. and we enjoy right. our work. We, we really do. We so we, we need, do need that Sabbath day in the week. Uh, we love to worship. We love to worship mm-hmm. God, and we do need our own relationship mm-hmm. with Him. Yes. But play. I can remember Larry sitting with an eldership team, and I said to them, now, how often do you meet? They told me. I said, so what do you do in your meetings? They told me. And then I said, so that's all work. They go, right, that's work. We're called to work. And I go, so what do you do as a leadership team for play? And they just sit there silently and looking at me and looking at each other like, play? What is that? Yeah. And so... I described to them what it was. I said, it's hanging out together, it's doing a weekend together, it's going out to a meal together, it's playing a game together, it's something outside of work that you're able to relate to one another. And so um, I gave them an assignment. I said, I'm gonna go call my wife, it's gonna take about 10, 15 minutes. During that time, you're gonna come up with what your next playtime is going to be. (laughs) So I went off, called my wife, talked to her. We were laughing about the fact that I just gave them that assignment. I came back to the meeting and I said, what did you discover? And there was five leaders, two of them were golfers, and they said, well, we don't know what those guys are gonna do, but we're going golfing. Yeah. They couldn't come up with an answer uh, of how, how they would do play, how they, how they would do fun. And I thought, boy, this is a deficit in leadership. Are we having fun? Are we having a good time? And I think, you know, Jesus is a model of that. I, I remember that Jesus was invited to a wedding. Yeah. And um, why would he be invited to a wedding? I mean, weddings are fun. Weddings yeah. are about food. And, 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 sure. and, and of course, we know the wine miracle happened yes. with Jesus. And, and, and he was invited, so he must have been a friend of the wedding party, sure. something there. And he went to a wedding to have a good time, to have fun. I believe that he had fun with his disciples. Perhaps not all of that is recorded. Uh, I know that he got aggravated with them as well right, and impatient right. at times. But anyways, they hung out for over three years. And yeah. I believe they had to do some things uh, that were fun. And... So I, I think that's a missing ingredient. The other thing, um, he talks about rest. Mm-hmm. 
I think we abuse that sometimes. We, we, we try to work on how little sleep we can get. Uh, we, try to, we, we try to not take naps anymore. We try to do things that just eliminate rest in right, our lives right. when, when really the principle of rest uh, is from God. He, yes. he rested not because he needed it, but because he wanted to give us an example of rest for our lives. Play and fun and relationship is an, is an aspect of rest and how that we yeah. have downtime. And, mm-hmm. and uh, So it's rest personally, it's rest with husband and wife, I'm assuming, and family, it's rest also and play with those we serve with. Yes. So, I mean, today, obviously, you're no longer a staff local church pastor counselor. I mean, today you're involved in an international apostolic council of a worldwide movement called Devon International. And, of course, you teach these things all over the world. I mean, you're the one that does that the best of our whole team. And one of the many things I appreciate about you is you've helped me as a leader and helped us find ways to play. I mean, you have, every year, we've rented a cabin up in the mountains mm-hmm. just to go and hang out, and you hold us a cabin at the talk shop, Yes, you know, and let's just talk about family and play together, whether it's volleyball or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's awesome, you know. Yeah. And so I think you've done that well. So I think for any leader, make sure if you feel like you're not quite sure how to do this, find somebody on your team who can lead the way in this. Because yes. you led the way in this. It's been a fantastic blessing for us. Yeah. And the crazy thing is it builds it builds relationships. It does. You know, it's there's awesome. this working relationship, but then there's yeah. this play fun relationship yeah. and this relationship that's just out of rest. And you and you know, you sit in the front porch with a cup of coffee, no agenda, your right. your date books are not out, your right. computers aren't open. Yeah. You just gotta talk about life. Yes. And it's just healthy. Yeah. Or midnight playing some kind of a crazy card oh, game or something yeah. at midnight. It's awesome. You, you see sides of people you've never seen in the work environment. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah, we, we have a good time, have a lot of fun. We have our, our children come and our children get to meet and play and hang out with these adults that their parents work with and the other children from the other families and so yeah i know you started years ago my kids for some strange reason they always said we'd love that the people you work with well i think it came because of those times together and seeing just the life side of all of us and that made a huge difference huge difference so good so any what you talked a bit about uh, rest let's talk a bit about sabbatical Mm. and the need for sabbatical i mean you helped me with that because basically the time you gave me the cassette tape what we decided was you encouraged me and work with our leaders and take a three month sabbatical at that point because i was burned out almost burned out and it was life-changing for me i came back a whole new person Talk to us a bit about sabbatical, the need for that, how that works practically sure. for a pastor or people people in leadership or, or who's it for, and just talk to us about sabbatical. Yeah, people often think, well, that's just school teachers do sabbaticals, yeah. and that's about our reference to it. But the reality is uh, it's a biblical principle. It is. Every seventh year, yeah. uh, the, the farms rested, the people rested, the land rested, the animals rested. There was an aspect of rest with Sabbath, and of course every seventh day, and uh, that principle's carried uh, throughout the Word of God because uh, God rested so that we would have an example of rest. Uh, we found we were getting more and more people in my office that were burning out. Yeah. I mean, we were we were we were burning the candle at both ends. We were working really really hard. We had a lot of people to care for, not enough staff. Yeah. Uh, because not enough resources mm-hmm. to hire more staff, and so you just expect more from less. Yes. And it was a challenge. Yes. Uh, we remember those years, and we remember the mistakes that we made in those years. So we instituted a policy of Sabbath rest. So every seventh year. That staff member, that pastor, the whatever, we would recommend take at least two months. Mm-hmm. 
at least eight weeks and take that time off and um, yeah, get away from it all. Turn off your phone, turn off your computer. You're not, you're not speaking at your church. You're not answering all those ministry emails. Okay, so, so in that process, we've developed this sabbatical principle. And uh, actually, we actually wrote a book on it, just on sabbatical. Yeah, it's just a little 40-page booklet a for book. people to read about the process of sabbatical. Yeah. And in that are testimonies of leaders who have taken this Sabbath rest. Yeah. And we've uh, instituted as a policy within Dove International. For me, it's and, been life-changing. So yeah, and encouraging so many others yeah. to do it. So, so that first part of the whole thing is just decompressing. It's yeah. just taking everything off of their plate, handing it over to others yeah. to do for them and, and uh, to maintain for them and just uh, decompressing. Yeah, and that's the blessing of teamwork. That's why you build teams. Because yeah. when you decompress and when you take time off and when you're sabbatical, there are other people available to cover for you when you're gone. Yeah. I mean, tonight I've got an international phone call tonight because I'm helping somebody who's decompressing right now. Someone, one of our teams on sabbatical, helping him, working with a leader who's playing a church in another country. He would be doing that, but I said, no, you're worried about that for yes. two months. We'll take, we'll cover for you. Different yes. people helping cover the tracks, and that's the way we do that. That's why teamwork's important in this process. It is, it is. Uh, but it's it's a it's a sabbatical. It's a a couple of months, not just off. It's not just to get right. other education. Um, the purpose really is rest. The purpose really is to be able to evaluate and to hear from God. So, so that whole decompression piece is just hanging out with your family and yeah. getting to know those people again and maybe doing a few small projects at home. Yeah. But then we want an educational piece or a counseling piece, someplace where they're getting input into their lives. And, and then we want a piece in, in that where they're hearing from God so there's three, three basic areas. I mean, this will help a lot of leaders. Three basic areas you're saying on a true sabbatical that really works, right? Well, so the fourth one, we would add a fourth now and saying, yeah, do those three and then yeah. add revelation. Like that, that fourth part is, okay, what is the revelatory okay. word from God What's for God me for the, for the next seven yeah. to ten years? Yeah. What, where am I going? What am I called yeah. to? And in that revelation, what do I put back on my plate? What do I leave off of my plate? Those are all things that as you go through this process and you're spending time, concentrated time with God, you've decompressed, you've gotten some input into your life, maybe even some counseling, which I've done on a sabbatical. I, I you know, I, I even yeah. had my children with me uh, to do that. They weren't sure. thrilled, but they did it. And uh, we, we I, nice to die. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I took them out for pizza. Then. <laughs> that worked. So I, it helped me to continue sure. to evaluate. Sure. And just the whole process and even of fasting and hearing from God, getting to the point where I felt like I had that four segment the revelation to go back to what I was doing or maybe it's not even that maybe it's right. God's changing something sure up. maybe you're going to another position sure. maybe you're going to another place maybe you're doing something totally different but if you don't get out of it That's and right. get into the season of Sabbath you probably just keep doing what yeah. you're doing and it'll continue to make yeah. you crazy yeah I am eternally grateful for the principle of Sabbath a lot that you taught us uh, and I look back now for the first Sabbath I had, which is the three months when we came back a new person, but we yeah. had revelation, went to the mountains and prayed and God met me. And yeah. not just for me, but for you know, a whole church, which ended up being a whole movement of now yes. you know, nearly a thousand churches. But that came because, really, because of sabbatical and listening to God. Right? They got it, but not the lunch, and who knows what would happen after that. So just so grateful to God for you. So again, to reiterate, the four basic areas, three plus one, give it to us one more time. This is so important for leaders to understand. When you take this break, these four things should happen. And should they happen like, like 
two weeks for this and three weeks for this, or is it just it should happen throughout the time? Sure. Yeah. So 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 rest and and, and decompressing okay. is just One. that first segment. Yes. Second segment is some type of evaluation of yeah. where you've been and where yes. you're at, and yes. and then uh, so you can go into where you're going. So right, right. then within that time, we also recommend you know reading some books yes. for Getting yourself. Getting input somehow. Getting yes. some input. Getting some counseling. I we've had so many leaders say, "Oh, I don't need counseling," but but then, then we recommend it and they get into it. And it's like, yeah. oh, that was so exactly. helpful for me. Exactly. And, and because that person knows how to just help them walk yeah. through some things. Um, yeah, and so getting some input uh, into their lives and, and then spending some concentrated time with God, some refreshment with the Lord uh, so that you can and hear, from, hear God's voice for yes. the future so that you get into that final piece of that revelation of, okay, God, this is where I'm going. I'm hearing your voice. And I'm hearing your voice because I was able to rest and decompress and get all of this other stuff off my plate. I'm not going to the office every day and doing all these other things. Yeah. I'm spending time with God and he's speaking to exactly. me. And I'm getting revelation from him uh, for myself, for my future. And it also how, how it affects all of the leadership ministry that I'm involved in because right. what happens to me influences others. It my, does. My, fam my immediate family, my extended family, my neighborhood, my workplace, all of these things, it touches yeah. all of those. Yeah. And if I'm healthy and I do this for health, for the purpose of yeah. health, I'm going to bring health back you with will. me. Because we can give information to people, we can give principles to people, all those things. We can pray with people, see signs and wonders, all the things that are very important. Mm -hmm. But the truth is we impart who we are. Yes. And so if we're not healthy, we're going to impart something that's not healthy then that's to the next generation. That's On a humorous correct. side, I remember back when, when I came to you back in the day, and uh, you recommended the first sabbatical, that a, a movie that was very, very well known at that time was remember. Bill Murray yeah. and What About Bob? Remember what that? About Bob? Yeah, and I remember well, he said, I need, I need, Dr. Marvin was yeah. his guy, and I called you Dr. Marvin for a while, but we had lots and lots of fun with that. I remember showing up at your door because in the movie, there's a, a Goldfish, remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hanging around his neck in a jar. I found a goldfish somewhere. I, I met you at your door. We had a lot you of fun. Did. I will time. never forget Larry Kreider standing at my door with a fish in a, in a, in a peanut butter jar. Uh, a, a, a dead fish. A dead fish it was. <laughs> I don't know where you I got said, it. I need, I need, I need. I, I didn't want to know. Uh, but we, but we, that movie, um, as crazy as that movie is, it ended up being therapeutic. It was. It was amazing. It, it, it was. Because yeah. I remember some months later, you and your family ended up in my door when I was on vacation. And you had, you had all these little bags yeah. with water in, these little fake fish. the same kind of a deal. We carry it on. Yeah. yeah. So we need to know in leadership, uh, we need to understand it's real life stuff. And, you know, God wants us to, to enjoy Him, enjoy life. And to learn through these kind of things and not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. I think often leaders take themselves so seriously they can't have fun. And we need to learn, learn how to have fun. Let me say one more thing. And just in that whole piece of rest and yes. Sabbath and, and as you're saying, uh, hearing from God. Yes. One of my uh, favorite scriptures in the Gospels is in the book of Matthew, chapter 13 and verse 1. And it says in that verse, Jesus left the house. Yes. And went and sat by the lake. That's verse one. Interesting. That's the whole of it. Jesus left the house that morning and went and sat by the lake. And one day I was I was reading through Matthew again, and I just stopped right there at verse one. Like, so what was he doing? Yeah. Like he left the house early in the morning and yeah. sat by a body of water. 
what was he doing? He obviously wasn't working on his computer. Uh, he obviously, I mean, you know, wasn't most likely working on his to-do list. What I think he was doing was enjoying the presence of water, yes, the coolness yes, of the yes. air by water, and the presence of his father. Just mm -hmm. sitting, sat by the lake, sat by the lake. I love that phrase. I love that our Savior did that and took yeah. the time to do that. And, and Larry, I think a Sabbath uh, day or uh, that day off or that time of rest or that sabbatical is, is really yeah. doing what Jesus did, sitting by the lake in order to be quiet and in order to listen and in order to hear his yes. Father's voice. I, one more thing I want to ask you that we may take a while, but I do want to ask you this because you have helped so many leaders in, I mean, of different cultures around the world, uh, and you've done that well. Uh, we both know that there's been an onslaught of pornography, mm. and so many men, even leaders, get ensnared with that. Yes. Could you give us, take a few moments, and give us some help with that? Uh, how do we, if, you know, if we're right now, we're ensnared by pornography, whether a leader or not a leader, um, give us some help with that. Where do we go? What do we do? Get, are there any steps, anything you could give us that would help us with that? Yeah. Well, that's a huge topic today. and I. The, the statistics that we keep reading is that one in two pastors have been in some way, wow. not addicted, but in some right. way uh, involved mm. uh, in pornography, <clears throat> whether it be out of loneliness or, right. or working too many hours or sure. not having per friends themselves or not having a good relationship with their spouse or wh whatever the reasons, but turning to that uh, as a source of em emotional feeding or um, yeah, and, and it's it's just um, obviously not God's will of or course. God's best. Exactly. It is a uh, uh, an aspect of sin. We would we would just very clearly call it sin in order to, to view those things. Yes. And, uh, it is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. All these things we know this from the Scripture, but obviously so many are drawn to that today. Uh, here's an interesting thing, wherever the internet has opened up around the world, wherever there's been a higher speed Wi-Fi for people, right. that, that statistically the thing that's downloaded the most is pornography. Mm. Even in cultures where it would be taboo, and maybe not Christian cultures, but religious cultures, it's still that's the thing mm. uh, that people go after. So it, it is affecting our children, our youth. Mm -hmm. It's affecting adults. It's it's no longer uh, that seedy person. Now it's that right. banker. It's the you know it, yes. it's just every walk of life. People are are getting involved in this. Are drawn into it. It isn't uh, finding a quote dirty magazine along the road right. anymore. Right. You don't have to go hunting it. You don't have right. to go into some seedy store. You, you, all you have to do is turn your computer on. Mm -hmm. And so it's available, it's accessible, and it seems like the enemy is right there with it in order to somehow bring some type of comfort or emotional comfort or, you know, I don't know. Uh, leaders go through a lot of pain, have a lot of difficulty right. sometimes in their lives and relationships. Um, well, talk and to so any, they turn to that. Sure. Talk to any, any person right now saying, well, I don't need to talk about this. That's a struggle in my life right now. What what do they do? Are there some steps they could take or any recommendations yeah. that you have? Yeah, sure. They're, they're, first of all, stop condemning yourself. Uh, it, it is an issue that, that we can get drawn into, so stop condemning yourself. Um, 
I, I'd say second, you've got to confess this to the Lord. And, and, I, and I know you probably have and have asked for help, but you keep turning to it. Uh, you've got to get outside resources and help. You've got to confess it to someone that you can trust who's not you know, going to broadcast it to everyone. And then I would say get into a some type of group or counseling, find resources. There are many now resources out there. There's video resources. There are book resources, uh, lots of helps like that and, and groups that are helping people with this whole thing. We have a we have an, um, a ministry here, Larry, locally mm -hmm. that we refer people mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. Uh, to get help and to get input for their resources, for their counseling, yeah. uh, if needed for their for their groups, if needed for their spouse, who's the non-offending uh, spouse who, who needs help and wants yes. to help understand why uh, their husband or wife has, has gone into right. this. Um, we have got to take those steps um, because I, I was talking to a drug addict recently and he said to me, uh, he said, Steve, um, I keep this from my children. Uh, they don't know. <laughs> and I looked at him eye to eye, nose to nose, and I said, your children do know. Yeah. Maybe they don't see you take drugs, but they know their daddy's not their daddy. They know their daddy is in turmoil. They see the arguing of mom and dad, and they yeah. see the, the finances that aren't there. They see the signs of it, even sure. if they don't see you use drugs. And I want to say to you as the leader, your children know. Your, your spouse knows, even if you're keeping this hidden, um, it, in the spirit, they know that something's not spirit. right, something's awry, and something's going on. And therefore, bef before the Lord, uh, before those whom you lead, uh, in order to lead in purity and in mm -hmm. righteousness, uh, God wants you to take those steps for healing. Mm -hmm. Steve, thank you. You're a great gift to the body of Christ. You've been a great gift to me and to so many around the world. Do you have any last-minute thoughts you want to give before we close before we close our time together? Is there anything else you'd like to say uh, that has to do with healthy leaders? Yeah. Anything you feel like we've missed? Yeah, you know, leaders make mistakes, and they're pretty hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, years ago, you mentioned a ministry that I was involved mm -hmm. in, and uh, I went through a time of crucifixion yeah. in that ministry, and yeah. I, I know I've shared this story with you, Larry. Yeah. Um, it was probably one of the hardest things I ever walked through in leadership. Mm. Uh, for a season, um, uh, there were, were changes in leadership there, and uh, there were some lies spoken about me, and, and those lies were believed, and and um, and I, I just I, I didn't feel I could defend myself or that I was to defend myself. Mm -hmm. And um, my wife and I, we were we were majorly hurt. Yeah. And we were walking, uh, after that meeting, we were walking through the parking lot, going to our car, very downtrodden, having just felt like we were put on the cross, yeah, you know, and, and yeah. crucified uh, without uh, being able to, like a lamb led before the slaughter. I mean, you know, I just, uh, using, I don't want to mean, you know, speak those things as cliches, but, right, but right. that's what we felt. Sure. And I know leaders sure. often feel right. that with, among leadership teams that get hurt. And... And so, um, and I know the teachings, I teach it myself on offense, proving yourself sure, and, sure. and all that, but this really hurt. Yeah. And, and so a, a leader was, an, another leader that was there was driving off and he pulled up beside us. And he said, that was, that was really difficult today, wasn't it? And I said, it, it, was, it was decimating. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't have a word in English to describe what it felt like. Yeah. And he said, I want you to remember something. He said, in the New Testament, there's a principle called the, the resurrection principle. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's this. After every death you die, 
It's a promised resurrection. Yeah. And I have passed that on to yeah. every leader that I can pass on to. So that good. if you're dying, yeah. after every death you die, there is a promised resurrection. And I've seen it over and over and over. That is a new covenant principle. You can rest in that. Yeah. And even if as a leader, if you're dying right now or going through a difficult time, or if you're, even if you're not, you will. Uh, you know, God will use it in your life. But also remember that after, as you walk through it and God speaks to you and you get a hold of what God's principles are for you for that season, he, he brings a resurrection and you'll be a stronger, better leader. So good, so good. Steve, take a moment and just pray for anyone who's joined us today in this discussion. And they say, it's been really hard. You know, I, I, I'm going through this crucifixion. Just pray for them and just do that right now. We, sure, Father, I thank yeah. you. First of all, for the love of God and the love mm. of his son who personally came to us. And if we were the only one on the earth, that love would have still extended to us, and for that we, we're grateful. Mm -hmm. Some days I know we get out of bed, and the thing, the only thing we know is we're saved. Mm -hmm. We just know that mm -hmm. we have a relationship with God. We don't know about a lot of the things that are going on in our life. We don't know about all the things that might go on in our life that day, but we do know Jesus, and yeah. we do know that yes. He's our Savior, and we do know Holy Spirit will lead us through yes. the day. So, Father, I pray for that leader mm -hmm. right here now right today that's in conflict some turmoil with themselves with their marriage with their family with their ministry with their board with their uh, eldership team whatever it is uh, father i pray you give them your strength you give them your words you 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 speak to them through this time lord i i know that you don't miss a thing and you're not missing a thing in their life right now. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're going to use the very thing that they're walking through to strengthen them and to grow mm -hmm. them. Father, may we pass the test. Mm -hmm. May this person pass the test today. And may we get a hold of that, the, the power of the resurrection. May we get a hold of the fact that after every death we die, there is a promised resurrection. That is you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. You are the resurrection and you are the life. And for that, we're grateful. Mm -hmm. And so we declare over them today, Larry and I together, just yes, believing for blessing yes, over these do. leaders, yeah. increase in and Jesus multiplication and in all that they're in need of this day. In yeah. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Steve, thank you. Thank you for the blessing you are to the body of Christ. Thanks for joining us today for leadership discussion. Again, you know, your book, Staying Together, Call Together, many other books on leadership available on Amazon and, you know, through our ministry or wherever in the body of Christ. And we're just so, so blessed to have you here today. Thanks. It's been okay. a great pleasure to be here. Great. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. Many more discussions of leadership are coming up. Finding those little key things in leadership that make a major, major difference in our lives in the future. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.